we are truly in the darkest timeline, so why not travel back to a simpler time, when your toughest choice was what to rent a blockbuster for the weekend, Face Off or Con Air. That's where the Talkbuster podcast comes in. Every episode, Chris Chipman is joined by a guest who relive their time working for Blockbuster. The good and the bad. It's a fun nostalgic dive that, if nothing else, is a great escape. Find the Talkbuster podcast on your favorite podcasting site today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Turner O'Rourke, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? It's going okay. Yeah, I had a tiring day at work, but been playing some <laughs> some Diablo 2, actually. It's a classic. Ah, that old gem. Yeah, so I'm alright. How are you doing? Ah, uh, pretty good. We had some actual spring weather here today, so I got to be outside and relax a little. That was nice. <laughs> very nice, very nice. How sad is it that, you know, your house isn't broken, I'm not in back pain, and we're like, no, no, that that's that's a rare bar to clear. Yeah, basically. Hey, I got my gate finished last uh, on Sunday. Woohoo! Yeah, Small fin- milestones for the win! Exactly. I haven't finished the whole front yard fence, but the gate is done at least, and I'm happy about it. Hey, it's the small victories that matter. Absolutely. Anyway, speaking of small victories, let's talk about our wonderful, wonderful patrons. The people that pay to keep this free to you. That's a big they victory. They are <laughs> Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Ayu, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donna Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Mel, Scott Rubin, Derek Scott, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, head on to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. You'll get early access to all our episodes, plus a whole bevy of other great bonus content. It's a real great investment for you and for us. And today we have an illustrious guest with us. Feel free to introduce yourself. Uh, Hello, it is me, Fred the Dino, famous for being in the Discord. It is a rather active Discord. (laughs) It's a fun Discord. Like, the worse Twitter gets, the more activity our Discord seems to get. I'll take it. Anyway, we're here today to kind of step on Ulrich's toes for a conversation that was actually... Fred's idea. So why don't you introduce us, or introduce anyone listening to it, Fred? Well, perhaps some of you might be familiar with Batman the Animated Series, very uh, popular in its heyday, and still quite popular. Um, But, in very prescient sort of thing nowadays, uh, Batman the Animated Series would actually be the first in a long... uh, connected series of superhero specifically dc superhero related content known as the dc animated universe universe or the dcau and this uh sort of early connected universe thing is kind of what we're talking about today because we are going to be comparing the dcau with the dcu i assume specifically Zack snyder's dcu well okay Wonder Woman, like, well, have been everything but like the Suicide Squad that kind of operates in the greater Snyderverse. Eh, yeah, I mean, everything that's out to this point does qualify, I think. But go on. That is true. So, yeah, uh, effectively, the main topic of comparison here is how did the DCAU succeed in creating a cohesive, successful, connected universe in media where? I, I would assume in most of our opinions, at least here, uh, Zack Snyder's DCU didn't quite get there. Well, I mean, they're rebooting the whole damn thing, so if I, it tells if you I, everything. If I could jump on an easy answer real quick, I would say that the DCAU took its time with it. Like, there's literally a ramp you can see in the DCAU. Because start off, right, just Batman the Animated Series, Batman with Batman villains, and then there was Superman the Animated Series... And I believe they weren't initially connected at all. And then they had an animated movie that was like Batman, Superman dealing with the Joker, stealing a kryptonite dragon statue. I have very strong memories of this thing. And and then that kind of led into Justice League, which was seven heroes, like just seven. And then that turned into Justice League Unlimited. And then we got the various kind of spinoff things with, Batman Beyond, Batman, which is connected. Batman Beyond. Static Shock and becoming shock. connected. What else is in there? There's another one in there. Uh, the Zeta Project. Oh, uh, yeah. I always forget Zeta Project is a thing that exists. Yeah. Uh, the new Batman Adventures. Um, 
I think those are the other twos that I haven't been. Teen Titans kind of slotted in there well, a little bit. Teen Titans well, was interesting because it was one of those things where, like, uh, it it's not really connected. But yeah, it's I was gonna, actually, I thought about. I don't know if it's, Teen Titans it's, ever got an official connection. No, it's not. Con- yeah, it's not connected, but. There is a connection in that many of the same people who worked on a lot of the DCU also worked on Teen Titans, but otherwise, I don't believe they were meant to be connected. But yeah, I, also start... think that, I also think the Teen Titans never explicitly did anything to prevent a connection either. It's just a gray no. area. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, either there was a crossover or a direct connection no, somehow. Like yeah. In fact, and we're not going to count, you know, all out of the same team. Because if we do that, we're going to be fucking here forever. In oh, fact, we're going to be here forever. As it turns, there's, <laughs> oh, go ahead. There's across across the Spider Verse. If we're counting that, across the Spider Verse is a part of the DCAU because a Justice League Unlimited director is directing that movie. Ooh, I mean that's just cool. But I I will to cap off the Teen Titans thing. I believe Batman was referenced one time and didn't even say it by name. It was just a visual reference. Which is a cool moment, but anyway, <laughs> moving on. But my point, though, is that there's a ramp. It's a very definitive... Like, I remember when I was a kid, the, the jump just from Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, felt huge to me. But at least I'd been prepped for it with, like, what, two seasons of Justice League or something? Yeah. And it could be argued that you had Batman, and then you had Batman versus Superman, and you had Man of Steel, so you had two movies before you did Justice League. It, could be argued that it's kind of the same. Except that Batman v Superman was already also introducing Wonder Woman. It was one movie in, so I would have been like doing... The equivalent would have been like doing one season of the animated series and then jumping right to Justice League, skipping over a whole lot in there. Yeah, but I do kind of want to defend it. I don't want to defend it, but I will for the sake of conversation. Justice League is impressive because, yeah, it's got Batman and Superman, who, you know, both have animated series, and Wonder Woman, who's, okay, fairly well known, but then Martian Manhunter and Hawkgirl are on the key roster. Nobody in the, you know, layman knew who the fuck they were. I will say, though, it went a long way towards turning someone like me into, uh, I think of Hawkgirl before I think of Hawkman. Yep, and uh, Jon Stewart is the best Green Lantern. I mean, you're here. Yeah, I agree with that. I've always had a problem with Hal Jordan, though. Admittedly, when voiced by Nathan Fillion in the New 52 animated movies, much better, but John Stewart's Oh, that's right. Isn't the Green Lantern series also a part of this? Indeed, it, is, yeah. it is not a part of the DCAU. It's another case of, like, people worked on it, but, like, oh, it okay. is not connected. I always kind of... Because that was a Bruce Timm project, because everyone's big and square-chested. You know, yeah, what, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. What's also funny, Ulrich, I don't know if you realize this, but we basically have a DCAU 2 that spawned out of, I believe, Justice League War, but now Young Justice is basically connected to a bunch of those movies, like, because they, cause they had a bunch of DC animated movies in the last, like, 10 years, and I, I think they're connected just because they all have the same, like, voice actors and animation styles. Yeah, I know there's, like, a series of them that are connected, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, and Young Justice kicks ass in general. <laughs> but, anyway, but I guess that let's was start with the strengths. Of, what was the biggest strength of the, you know, that DCAU, the original? Why was this so successful? Well, I'm taking, the the, I'm taking the big one off the table. You can't say animation because we all know... That shit was fucking incredible. Yeah, but I behind behind the scenes real quick, I didn't do like quote unquote homework for this recording, going and rewatching anything, but I'm told that Dino, you did. I, I have been just rewatching steadily throughout the DCAU, uh like pretty recently since about late last year. So currently I am on, uh, I'm just going by chronological release date order. So I'm just currently in the, the thick of Batman Beyond and Static Shock right now. Which are two of my favorite shows ever, actually. Pretty pretty good, yeah. Well, then what would you say, since you're the one most recently with it? Because I think I did a rewatch of Justice League like four years ago or something like that. But what, what how do you respond to, like, what are the things that jump out to you uh, Im- immediately? Um, I mean, already, like, 
patience has been mentioned at this point. Like it took between Batman, the animated uh, series releasing in justice league. That was a span of like 10 years in between those happening. But I think I'm going to even discount that because in some ways that feels like cheating because it's a TV show for the DCAU. So you're going to have an advantage in terms of like pacing in time between events. I would argue though, I would argue, though, that regardless of anyone's particular opinion on CW shows, the Arrowverse has that same advantage, and I think it contributed to it being able to get to things like crisis stories and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I was trying to think about it, and I'm trying to see if I can find ways to word this that isn't just, like, purely me gushing about these series in a non-productive way. I... I just think that the writers of the DCAU like had a deep understanding of the characters that I don't know. I just never got the sense from the DCAU that they had that level of a deep kind of understanding of the characters because with DC, the whole idea and even what they're kind of running with, with the new DCU is like gods and monsters. These are larger than average beings, you know, who can, change the world and i think that what the dcau did is highlight what i like best about these characters which is even if they are godly even if they stand technically speaking higher above all of us that they nonetheless care and look after the little guy most of all as opposed to just sort of like run with being godly figures above us well what you're talking about there and i know that ulrich and i have talked about this in previous recordings and i want to be clear before i say anything else i still like a good portion of Zack snyder's work unrelated to this stuff i still think watchmen kicks absolute ass and is in my top three movies of all time so get that out of the way but i do honestly believe that he fundamentally does not understand Superman specifically. And from what I can tell from interviews, not only does he not understand Superman, he doesn't like Superman. And having a creator, especially a like overall creative person behind your universe whose fundamental construction is built around this character and they don't like or understand that character feels like an inherently bad way to start. Does that, does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And we'll dip into where Snyder went wrong, definitely, because there's, there's a lot of little choices that's just... I'm just saying that, like, example, the the Man of Steel got a lot of, you know, criticism for having, in you know, the first Superman movie, we have Superman kill Zod, and there's a whole lot of reasons why that's a stupid decision. I'm not going to get into that particular context now. But you compare that to Justice League and Superman the Animated Series had some of my absolute favorite examples of why Superman is a compelling character. One of, in my opinion, the best Superman moments ever is in a Justice League episode. It is a Christmas episode that involves Superman taking Martian Manhunter back home to the Kents for Christmas because Martian Manhunter has no, no family. And it's just a bunch of little moments that show that Superman is... Clark Kent, that that's the the real person. He literally talks about, like, I get to just be myself here. And he has these great lines, like, Mon Pa Kent saying, oh, we had to wrap the presents in lead so we couldn't look through them. And then there's Clark sitting there with this hot cocoa, and he goes, you mean Santa wrapped them? And those little moments are just, like, perfect. It's not, they're yeah. not big action things, they're little character moments. And to me, that's this show's biggest strength. Like, all of them, all of these they never talked down to their audience. They never dumbed it down. They're like, we're going to adapt stories from the comics and the characters like the comics, and we're just going to tell the story straight. And we're going to assume that our audience is smart enough and mature enough to get it, you know? Well, I guess even following up on this, like, understanding that Superman is Clark Kent. They even spell that out in the episode, uh, Superman the Animated Series, The Late Mr. Kent. Uh, I guess blanket synopsis real quick. Clark Kent is doing some investigative journalism on a like corrupt police officer who arranges for Clark Kent to die in you know, this big explosion and by to all people, there is no way Clark Kent should have got out there alive. So 
he dies figuratively speaking like he doesn't superman doesn't go back to being clark kent for a while and he outright says like i i have to be clark kent if i want to keep my sanity i can't be superman all the time yeah and addition i don't actually remember that episode is that is that batman is that superman the animated series episode yes yeah that is superman the animated series okay my experience with superman the animated series is more limited than it is with justice league and batman the animated series which is yep. too bad because i well when i was younger i was on that stupid like a lot of people at my age of hating superman because it's boring big blue boy scout whatever i i said all the things that now i scoff at and feel like are childish arguments because i'm a huge superman fan now so i should really go back and rewatch that series i think i just i remember batman the enemy series being way more available and omnipresent than the superman series for whatever reason well i remember batman the enemy series played on toonami so it was always on like it was like in constant circulation because that one the art style I mean, they copy it for Superman, but just the fact that they did it all on black well, paper and the shadows were deeper. Funny and, enough, and, it's kind of the other way around from what you just said, in that Superman the Animated Series was kind of a separate animation style, and then when they combined, they they more changed Batman to match the Superman the Animated yeah. Series style. Yes, but I'm just saying, it's like the art style of Batman, everyone's like, oh, they really fucking got Batman. Other thing, we can't go any further without saying the voice casting for all these shows is probably some of the best, maybe most iconic. I mean... I'm not going to say some of it. I think it is. I mean, Kevin Conroy is Batman, and Mark Hamill is the Joker, and I will not be persuaded otherwise. No. I mean, fucking Clancy Brown is Lex Luthor. Yes. Absolutely. And And they could get, like what we would consider like pretty like high tier talent in for random roles. Calabac, son of Darkseid, is voiced by Michael Dorn. Oh, that's awesome. Like Michael Dorn actually did a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of voice work, oddly enough. I mean one of me and Ulrich's favorite characters, the Regis Mark V from XXLR is Michael Dorn. <laughs> what but is it? Uh, Mr. I... Miggs' Spitalik is played by Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> that's wonderful. I do remember that. I mean my one of my favorite examples of what you're talking about was the character of the question, which I didn't even know existed until Justice League Unlimited, is voiced by Jeffrey Combs, who's one of my favorite just like people in Hollywood. So that's kind of why I love the question. <laughs> and he also does Scarecrow in the New Batman Adventures, yes, and Scarecrow does. in the New Batman Adventures is amazing. <laughs> he's he's actually probably in the new Batman Adventures, oddly enough, he probably has the single best design Scarecrow has ever had. Like, don't get me wrong, I like the Arkham Asylum like syringe fingers, but something about the just the dark and the noose around his neck in the new Batman Adventures is like, so good. Yeah, the creepy zombie Undertaker. Yeah, sort of thing. Also, and here's my a gush I want to bring up: Justice League has the quote unquote the honor of having the only adaptation of Alan Moore's work that Alan Moore yep. actually likes. Which is saying something, because the man hates everything. Exactly. He hates anyone touching his work, but the Justice League episode for The Man Who Has Everything, which is an adaptation of an Alan Moore Superman story, is the only one that he has given his like his thumbs up to. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, the plot is basically Mogul, who's kind of like shittier glad- gladiator dark side. <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah, Mo- Mongol is shittier dark side, yes. Yeah, a Mongol. Anyway, I always mix it up with Mongol. Anyway, point is, he shows up, he's got this thing, I forget what it's called, like the Black Rose or, or something like that. It's this star um, fish. Black looking, Mercy. Black, Black Mercy, Mercy, thank you. It's this, yeah. it's this starfish looking thing that he gets attached to Superman that puts him into a, essentially a dream in his own mind so he can't move, but he thinks that that Krypton never blew up and that he's living a life on Krypton, basically his dream life where he's got a family, uh, his father still lives, he's got a son, and while Batman and Wonder Woman are fighting Mongol to try to save Superman, which is good action things, but the real character piece is that Superman in the dream starts realizing something is wrong and then he, he comes to the conclusion that reality as he understands it isn't real and he has to tell this to his son with tears in his eyes, and he basically has to say, my responsibilities as Superman are more important than my desire to live this life. 
and then when he comes out of the dream, he fucking loses it. And uh, in the comics, actually, it was... I don't know if it was the first time, but it was definitely one one of the first times that he used his heat vision as a weapon. Because he was pissed at Mongol. Yeah. 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 But again, there it is. This show is not talking down to its audience. It has faith in it. So let's flip over to the DC Cinematic Universe. Well, to get this off my chest real quick, what I was meaning... The, the result of having someone who doesn't understand, doesn't like Superman, write your Superman story and your universe that, again, from a purely comic narrative standpoint, the DC universe revolves around Superman in a lot of ways. And so you've got someone who instead wants to write him as a deconstruction without understanding what it is they're deconstructing. Yes. So instead... That, he be- that is the issue. I'm not opposed... To doing an inter- a new take on Superman, but this movie kind of has a one-two punch of this is following Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, which the longer time goes on, the worse that series ages. Yeah, and and not to shit on, you no, know, actually no, I'm going to shit on objectivism because fuck yes. objectivism. But Superman is not a cipher for Randy and objectivism. He just isn't. Some deconstruction of him might be, but. Not one that's supposed to be taken as actual Superman. <laughs> and again, don't lead with that for your big tentpole cinematic universe. Which again, that was the bad lessons we learned with the Nolan one of deconstruction, realism, and nobody actually likes these comic book characters. So we're just going to do whatever. And you end up with a very muddled interpretation of Superman that doesn't know what they're doing with him. And the same thing happened with Batman. You've got a, a creator oh. who very obviously is in love with Frank Miller's The Dark Knight. And, well, Batman fans are in love with Frank Miller's The Dark Knight. Yeah, and how many of them don't realize that the point of that story is that this is not what Batman is? I mean, this has been a problem Batman fans have been trying to... I think even, you know, Moore is going, stop! No more! You Dino. missed the point! Read something else! Thoughts, Dino? I mean, I would certainly agree. I watched Man of Steel for the first time, actually, uh, last week uh, in preparation for this. And honestly, I didn't hate the movie. I thought it was pretty all right. One thing that was very clear to me is how heavy-handed Zack Snyder was being with comparing Superman to Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I know that this is common knowledge on the internet now, but Superman isn't Jesus. He's Moses. This is like very specific in that character creation. But I, I, you could have followed that through. Okay, okay. Has all the powers of a god, might be viewed like a god, doesn't really go anywhere. It's one of those things where, like, I, I think it also just definitely shows a misunderstanding of the character, because I think Superman is at his finest when you do witness the humanity, even if he is, like, immensely more powerful than any of us is him being a human along with us and absolutely yeah i just didn't really get that vibe from the movie through watching it it's just like very obsessed with the power fantasy of superman and again i'm not trying to be reductionist but that basic concept of superman is moses not jesus lends itself to a better understanding of the character he was created by jewish immigrants as an exploration of their experience as Jewish immigrants, which is why his story is literally, oh, instead of Moses being sent down the river, it's him being shot off into space when his planet explodes. And just like how Moses was a man who was uh, essentially empowered by you know the burning bush with the powers of God, we've got Clark Kent, the man, empowered by the sun with powers beyond mortal men. Like, I'm not stretching. This is this is what is in the character yeah, creation. It's basic character 101. And in, we'll do a comparison of how the animated series did Superman versus how the movies did Superman. The series understood that Clark knows how powerful he is. They had stuff of him, you know, kind of holding back and explored that. And the cinematic universe never really did any of that of... Like, they wanted to. They played with the ideas... Yeah. But you know, they you, never really did it. And you know that that 
DCAU already did essentially objectivist Superman in an episode or a two-parter of the Justice Lords, where it's an alternate universe where the Flash gets killed by Lex Luthor, and so Superman kills Lex Luthor and becomes a totalitarian totalitarian dictator. Well, I, I sorry, go ahead. Now, which itself was inspiration for the later Injustice story. I personally think Justice Lords did it better, but. That's a different yeah, conversation. Yeah, I got, I got issues with the injustice and totalitarian Superman. They keep coming back to that one. It's like, eh, yeah, like it's I said, I liked it in Justice Lords, but I'm kind of with you on that anyway. Yeah, but no, this movie, again, the movie has interesting ideas that it doesn't do the setup for and never fully pays off. But, I, okay, uh, other things aside, when I think of Man of Steel, the concept that Superman's dad, or the Clark Kent's dad, willingly dies in a tornado because that is preferable to Clark Kent saving him and revealing his powers is such a fundamental misunderstanding of the of the story of the Kents and Clark Kent that I it boggles my mind. I that I wonder if they're trying to do the Spider Man, if they're trying to do the great power, great responsibility, but missed the entire well, point of that. I think there's even an interesting idea character-wise there. I just think it got really fumbled in its execution. Because I think the idea of, like, Clark Kent's dad, you know, John Kent dying, and Superman, this all-powerful being, couldn't do anything about it, is itself, I think, a really good idea for character Well, they've done a couple stories of that, haven't they? Like, oh, more than likely, if not absolutely. But I know there's at least it, one comic that's just Superman grappling with the fact of he has all this power and he couldn't save his father from a heart attack. Well, it's not just that, too. It's a lot of... So a lot of people who misunderstand Superman bring up that he's boring because he has all these powers. It's like, okay, that's why in a fighting story he's boring. Because in a one-on-one fight, no one beats Superman. You just don't. That's not the point of Superman stories. But there is this concept of he has all this power... That doesn't mean he can save everyone. That and that doesn't mean he's not gonna try, though. So you can have stories where his inability to save everyone, and it's very important that he can basically hear everything on the planet. So he has to parse. There's a whole thing there about you know he has all this power and still can't save someone. But that's separate from he has all this power and chooses not to save someone. So yeah, let's jump back over to the animated series. And the first season of Justice League kind of made the mistake of Superman constantly getting his teeth kicked in and everyone else having to kind of save him. And it was really annoying for that first season. Like, why is Superman so underpowered? And it was I feel like it was right away. Well, we don't know how to write him if he's so powerful. And then I season felt, two, I felt they figured was, it out. But I thought that was more addressed when Darkseid finally showed up. And it's like, no, Superman only gets beaten up because he's constantly holding back and trying not to kill people. Yeah, but that was also season two. And again, that's a fucking fantastic speech. I love the world of paper speech. Yeah. I love Michael Ironside as Darkseid. That was fucking amazing casting. Uh, So, I mean, yeah, I've listened to interviews with the producers and writers, and they outright admitted, like, yeah, we... They admitted for action scenes and just the general conception of season one of Justice League is like, we didn't know how to write action scenes let alone the entire show really with a team of superheroes let alone someone like superman it's where especially found, it's especially yeah. obvious with the flash because you have to super power down the flash in any situation he's in but that's been a problem with that character always <laughs> well it's tricky because on paper he runs really fast is it visually interesting but then you start thinking about it and you're like oh wait there's all this other stuff well also and you on gotta paper, find that middle bit also on paper, the Flash can solve basically every problem conceivable. I mean, the one of the X Men movies illustrated that with their version of Quicksilver, and the Flash and they way screwed outspeeds. themselves over from there ever after. Yeah. Now I feel like Justice League kind of gets away with it because Wally is a colossal, arrogant dick, and so it's really just his own personality that gets in his own way. But well, that's what they kind of realized with Superman. They're like, okay, none of these characters, their powers aren't what matter. It's who they are and how they interact with each other. Yeah, which is like also Batman being standoffish from everyone else and not wanting to be at the watchtower. Which is also why I love there's an episode where Superman and Wonder Woman are glamored to think the other one is a demon. And, yes. and Wonder Woman kicks Superman's ass. Now, again, Superman stops 
fighting halfway through because he realizes it's Wonder Woman. But it's just illustrating that, like, Superman's more powerful than Wonder Woman, but Wonder Woman is a warrior. Superman is not a warrior. <laughs> there's, there's difference. Yeah. No, Wonder Woman is gets to be this kind of very noble, almost fish out of water, and then Hawk Girl is, again, Wonder Woman, but with all the rough edges still on. Yeah. Anyway, and sorry, then, Dino, you were mentioning about, you know, listening to interviews and stuff from behind the scenes. I think we cut you off. Yeah, well... Oh, no. Well, I basically got my point across. Um, one thing I did want to bring up, though, is I think I think even they all, they had also realized, like, yes, Superman in straight up combat scenes. It can be it, it does end up being really interesting because after a season one Justice League, they realize, like, all right, we have to pick our Superman fights carefully. So one of the major ones after that is his fight against Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, which is. Which Where they good. said, like, all right, we can go all out with this one because they're both, like, super-powered, super-human beings. And Shazam can actually um, hurt Superman even when he's trying because of the nature yeah. of his abilities. And that is that fight, that whole storyline is a part of a much larger storyline where I think Superman as a character shines and where they show not only is he a good-natured human being, but he is a flawed human being, is the Cadmus arc, which yes. is... I mean, even the writers and producers said it was basically us like culminating everything we had built up for ten years before this. Well, dude, I into love one arc. I feel like Captain Adam gets so overlooked. I love his. It's a small thing, but his moral dilemma of like they're like you are a soldier before you were a superhero. Your allegiance is to the your country, and you can tell he does not want to fight Superman. But he's like, well, I can, and I'm the only one that they have that can. So I guess this is my duty. <laughs> Oh yeah, the yeah. show's story like story escalation, and I think a showcase like why you know Lex Luthor works really well. Cadmus arc also shows that which Lex Luthor is one of the main villains. So hey, is you pit Superman against someone he can't just beat up directly because Superman can't punch the government. Yeah, a lot as of much the as best, he may want to. A lot of the best Superman situations involve his villains, and I'm talking across Superman stories in general, creating situations that he has to solve while trying to save as many lives as possible, not just him trying to beat something. That's why in the original Christopher Reeves movie, that is the big conflict at the end is, all right, I'm going to send missiles in opposite directions, save people's lives, go. Now, regardless of whether the solution to that particular movie makes any sense is a different conversation. I'm just saying that's how you deal with... Like, Superman is interesting when he's using his myriad of powers to solve complex problems. So, yeah, let's jump back to Man of Steel. And let's talk, let's talk the villains in the comparisons. Zod and the Kryptonians do not work. In that They're... movie especially, and I talked about how, just now, how Superman's interesting when he's solving problems. Well, the problem in Man of Steel is have a Dragon Ball Z fight with Zod. I once again think there is a really interesting story there because, like, there's the setup of, well, like, you're here to, like, help restore the Kryptonian race, and don't you want that? But it comes at the expense of your newfound home. And once again, a really interesting, like, premise. I just don't know if it was quite capitalized on. And honestly, you haven't built Superman as a character yet. They also could have leaned harder into, as, as I mentioned, the Moses thing would have worked perfect here if you pit Zod as Ramses, essentially, and exactly. had it be like yeah. a let-my-people-go situation. Yeah, but this Superman is barely a character, and then you dump, which again, all that Zod stuff would have been great for like a second or third Superman movie when we had an identity of who this Superman is. He's got a sense of himself, but he's a conflicted character throughout and then more conflicting stuff happens. I was like, no, this doesn't work. This is from a this is an end from another movie, you know? By the way, I know that I've I feel like I've driven this conversation to focusing largely on Superman, but I cannot overstate that Superman really is the the the, the center point from which DC tends to revolve, which is funny considering the DCAU evolved out of Batman the Animated Series, but I would again well, argue that Justice League and its follow-up shows were pulling more from Superman the Animated Series' playbook. Yeah, a part of that had to do with the Bat embargo. I don't know if you're familiar. I've heard, you but I, I can't think. Go on. 
So at the time, Warner Brothers had a policy that we can't have characters cross-pollinating, like have the same character between different mediums at the same time. It'll confuse the kids. Yeah. So at while Justice League is coming out, the Christopher Nolan movies are in production and releasing. So Warner Brothers straight up told the DCAD writers, hey, you can't use most of the Batman characters. We're you're lucky you're getting Batman to begin with because they're being used for the Christopher Nolan movies, which the DCAU writer said was actually kind of a blessing in disguise. Cause that forced us to like think outside of the box for similar characters uh, in the DCAU can or the DC canon that we could use, but still, you know, had never been used before. That's the strength of justice league is holy shit, there's all these cool new villains I've never seen or heard of and new heroes, and then they dug deep. I mean, so, so many of those characters I was introduced to through that show. Etrigan and his entire thing, only because of Justice League. Do I even know yes. who that is? Yeah. No, we're getting fun, crazy, all sorts of great stuff. And so let's go on. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and that kind of dovetails into something I would actually point out is a strength of the DCAU, which is more behind the scenes, but it plays out in front of us, which is, man, they are really good at rolling with the punches that the studios kept giving them. <laughs> they were really good at adapting when they were given shitty hands. Um, for example, uh, Batman Beyond happened because uh, Warner Brothers was getting on the team's ass for not pulling in enough like younger teens, older kids, because at the point of like the new Batman adventure, Superman, the animated series, it was leaning like older teen, young adults at that time mm -hmm. in terms of demographics. So they said, you know what will get the kids DCAU team? Kid Batman. We need a show about a young teenage Batman. What's really the funny, DC. on paper, Terry McGinnis shouldn't work. He is Batman plus Iron Man plus Spider-Man. And in practice, he's one of my favorite creations from DC ever. Yeah, the yeah. DCU team straight up said, fine, we have to do this because the studio told us to. We are not doing Teenage Bruce Wayne. We are not going to do that. So instead, we're going to do the successor to Bruce Wayne as a teenager and... Boom, we got Batman Beyond, which was not only very successful at the time, but well-loved for very good reasons. Yeah, I I adore Batman Beyond, and I wish it had more just stuff in general. Like, Blight is one of my favorite villains, just because. <laughs> Batman Beyond is interesting because it has to be a successor to Batman without being Batman. Yeah, And, and I remember, like, the biggest uphill battle was like, who are all these new characters? I want the old characters I love. Um, and then, you know, selling me like, no, no, we'll get there. These new characters are also fun. Batman has arguably, or almost inarguably, the best rogues galley of any comic book character. So the fact Batman Beyond's rogues, I'm not saying they're necessarily the same level as, like, Joker and Two-Face and whatnot, but between Shriek, Blight, Ink, and Curare alone, like... Yeah, I'm fucking down with having Beyond. And then eventually they went back and told the best Joker story possible. Return of the Joker is my favorite depiction of the Joker in any media. Yeah, that was fucking incredible. So anyways, let's talk about that with the DCU. So, okay, first movie misses the mark with bringing the Kryptonians in too soon. Yeah, but we've talked a lot about Superman, so let's talk about Batman. That's DCU. what I was going to say. Batman versus Superman. Let's just talk villains real quick. Doomsday. Uh, Again, you have repeated the problem from your first movie, and you've doubled down on it. I, I will say, as someone who's never liked Doomsday as a character, I did have someone explain Doomsday and the death of Superman to me in a way that I understand, even if I still don't like it. Which is that Superman is hope, right? He is... He's many things, but one of the things he is is hope. That's why they keep hammering in that that's what his symbol means in, in the DCU, for example. So Doomsday is supposed to be the incarnation of hopelessness and despair. It's why his background is dying constantly. So it's literally an idea, a metaphor, like their battle is literally a metaphor of hope versus despair, where neither 
where despair basically kills hope, but hope defeats despair. Again, I get it. Still not a big fan of it. <laughs> well, it's just it's not an interesting character. And again, why is this? Why does this version of Superman matter? Fighting Doomsday, and again, no payoff. That killing him doesn't work. When they killed Superman, quote unquote, in Justice League, it was a fucking hammer blow because all of these characters got to react. Us, the audience, got to react. And then we had a cool Vandal Savage story on top of it. Well, also, even the fact that what I just said doesn't apply to the DCU's version of Doomsday since his new origin is mutated Zod corpse. Yeah. I gotta say also for characterization, I I get what they were going for with, like, geeky, weird Lex Luthor, but... Oh, boy. Like, charismatic businessman Lex Luthor is always superior in my mind. It just works way better. Which is why I'm in love with the idea uh, when... So, Bob Chipman did his Really That Bad for Batman v Superman, and I listened to that whole thing. And he had a concept in it of what if you took the same movie, Batman Superman as it is, get rid of Jesse Eisenberg, but not Lex Luthor, get rid of Batman, have Ben Affleck as the performance he's giving, but as Lex Luthor. And I'm like, I I think that would have been really good, or at least not, if not really good, really better. <laughs> there's Honestly, so much yeah. going wrong with that movie. And yeah, no, I agree. I think the other part is there's too many fucking half-ass villains in this movie. Batman does not. Batman has an interesting setup, but sucks. Lex Luthor fucking sucks. Doomsday fucking sucks. Yeah, but the reasons why they suck are all kind of oh, fascinating yeah. and complex. Well, I will give credit where credit's due. I appreciate an accurate portrayal of what a billionaire actually is a neurotic fucking loser. Yeah. But. That doesn't make for good character. Like this isn't something I want to watch in my super movie, and it makes it even. Oh, also, why? So why is my Batman and Superman movie have a major plot point involve a jar of piss? Yeah, this is just again opposite of the animated series. They took the studio notes and like, okay, we can work with this. We can work around with it. Snyder got handed studio notes and went, okay, putting that in. And it's just like, why? Why, dude? What the fuck is happening? Again, the idea of the world being reticent to the idea of Superman because he's a superpowered being from another planet, that's interesting. Where's that going to go? And Batman kind of getting in like, well, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Interesting. Older Batman, interesting. Lots of good threads that, much like the first one, don't go anywhere because it's buried under mountains of shit. Sidebar, you know what Superman's story actually handled the population is kind of not on board with how Superman operates better? Superman versus the Elite, also called Superman What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way, which is an amazing story, and I'm and keep your eyes out, because I'm betting that it's what Gunn is going to use for his upcoming Superman thing. Well, you know what else is a very good usage of people are really reticent about Superman? The Cadmus arc of Justice League Unlimited, which is very much predicated on people not trusting Superman. Yeah, I mean, literally, one of my favorite sequences in Justice League involves the question grilling Superman. The question's just the dude. He has no superpowers other than a, a mask with no face, and he stands out to be like, yeah, I know all about alternate universe you and, and what happened there, and oh, you tried to lobotomize, you know, Doomsday, just like alternate universe you did. Hmm, and... It's a great tense sequence, but the question doesn't even fuck. <laughs> the other thing I think is interesting, and I don't know if it would have worked in the cinematic universe, but the animated universe felt like a full universe. Like you would get introduced to characters, and they would be treated as you've all you everyone knows who they are. You may be meeting them for the first time, but they're just a character that exists here. We're not going to bother explaining it. You're just like, oh, cool. That's just another bad guy. That's just another hero. I mean, just Copperhead is never, op- yeah. Opens Copperhead's up. never explained. He just is there one day and the episode, like, that's a snake dude and he's fighting Batman. Well, I was just okay. saying that, like, Unlimited opens up with Green Arrow being introduced and it's like a, a, a deal and he had not been even mentioned anywhere else before. I was like, all right, cool, Green Arrow. 
I'm on board. Again, it's not questioning their audience. It's just because DC Warner Brothers was so hell bent on we got to catch up to Marvel, and they did that by let's just you know speed the plot along, like or just seed characters. Also, make a big universe. And I have old Batman. <laughs> and I'm not against. But what I'm about to say, I'm not inherently against like darkness in my comics by any means. There are plenty of. Dark- I love Watchmen for crying out loud, but. Batman v Superman, at the very least, feels dark in that teenage, edgy, I'm trying to avoid the, like, looking like a child artificial kind of way, which makes it e- feel even more immature. Does that does that make sense? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's 100% oh, yeah. that. Yeah, and... I mean, that's why they killed Jimmy Olsen. They fucking killed Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> I'm pissed about that. Anyway. I Oh, yeah. Killing Jimmy Olsen. Oof. Ooh. And it wasn't even Jimmy Olsen, and it, it feels like a weird choice. Well, it it feels it just feels like one of those like here here see guys we're not gonna do the silly thing here we're gonna have the the silly character die gruesomely. But what where is this going? Which again, I'm gonna go back to the animated series that we're comparing the two. The animated series always felt like that first season of Justice League was. We're just going to do little arcs. This is an arc. This is an arc. This is an arc. We're going well, to keep it clean and simple. Again, also, go, next, go ahead. And they also, when you look at it, oh, I can kind of see the winding path where this was going. This arc dovetails with this arc, dovetails with this arc, dovetails with this arc. It makes a grander picture. Where were these movies going? Where was the Snyderverse going? Because we all saw, or... If you didn't, God bless you, you're lucky fuckers. The Snyder Cut. And it's an incoherent mess I, of I will ideas admit, and dumb shit. I have not seen the Snyder Cut, Justice League. Someone brought it to me, burned on a disc, and I never watched it because I was like, I have better things to do with my time. It's four hours. And again, you hear Snyder, he's like, oh, this is what I was going to do. And oh, this is what I was going to do. Oh, and Batman was going to hook up with Lois Lane. And just, why? I, I, why did you do any of this? What is your final you, uh, point? I'm going to say something, Dino, and I want your... Because th- I know what Ulrich's thoughts on this are. There's a concept, too, that I feel like the animated series... Or the animated universe exemplifies that the DCU does n- that does the opposite. And it actually is a quote from uh, James Gunn, I believe, which is the idea of, like, you can have bad character... You can have good characters and a bad story. You can't have the inverse. And what I mean for this particular conversation is that almost every storyline in the DCAU, in Justice League specifically, is usually focused really intently on a on a characterization, on something character-wise for a villain and one or two of the Justice League people. I'm thinking of, of stories like the one where Superman gets sent into the future with a future Vandal Savage, or or the the one where they deal with at, um, Hades coming out of Themyscira. Like these are these are tend to be very personal stories that don't have much to say philosophically. But that's fine, they don't have to, they're about these characters. It feels like Snyder went into his universe being far more concerned with big philosophical ideas that he wanted to explore and less concerned about the characters within those ideas. Does that make sense? Oh, oh yeah, and I would absolutely agree. Now, the DCAU is very much no stranger to trying to make statements with their uh, stuff. For example... Uh, the episode of Justice League Unlimited Season 3 called Patriot Act, which has the line, how many of us do you have to hurt to keep us safe? Yeah. Which is, they're just going balls to the wall in terms of this is what we're saying. But yes, even before that, it is very much predicated. Characters and character ideas, or character interactions, relationships, beliefs, before we say the message, the message is through these characters, their relationships, their yeah, I, beliefs, etc. Yeah, and I feel like Snyder got that backwards, at least for his movies in this context. And I think maybe the biggest problem or the biggest difference is the DC Animated Universe, that was a team. That was one of the best teams top to bottom in the industry. From voice acting to directing to writing to producing to anime, everything. 
VCU got put on the back of Zack Snyder and said, here you go, make this work. I, I will say that I like the the cojones of like, all right, we're going to build our entire universe around the stylings of one auteur director. I don't think it was the right decision for a number of reasons, but I'm saying it was a bold decision. Yeah, I, I get that they wanted to go different than Marvel, yeah. but they also wanted to be Marvel. But one of Marvel's just... greatest strengths is that whole different directors with different styles. Like you got to fall under certain guidelines, but for the gen- generally speaking, things that the Rousseau brothers make feel very different from things that Taika Waititi makes. Okay, well, let's talk when they do do different directors, and let's talk the Suicide Squad by, uh, oh, God, what's the hell? that? Who directed that piece of shit? I don't know, but the point is that at least that gives you opportunities because Wonder Woman was good, Shazam was good, Aquaman was fun. I'm not going to say good, but Yeah, but I, I was, this is post because the Suicide Squad was the last one that felt that it was aping Snyder's style. And again, you see where it's lifting ideas from the Justice League of like, here's a bunch of villains. We haven't established. We're just going to treat them like you know who they are. We got Amanda Waller. You love Amanda Waller in the animated series. And still having nothing. Ayer, David Ayer. There it is. Had nothing for them to do and a shit villain. Which I we could just play the comparison game every all day because the Suicide Squad do appear in Justice League Unlimited. They're called Task Force X because you can't say suicide yeah. on children's TV. But they even pull a mixing up the genres uh, with that episode where they're the main characters because it's a heist uh, episode, basically, is the entire premise. Yeah, makes sense. And I get it. It's just, you see, it's like, listen, one the good notes thing. are right there. Oh, they wait. did this shit. Copy this. Yeah, the one good thing we did get out of the Suicide Squad is that Margot Robbie loves playing Harley Quinn. Like, the passion she has for that character shines through. Hence, we still have her two movies later. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got, oh, whoever we got playing. I can't remember her name. I always play the name. We got a great Amanda Waller, too. Yeah, she's oh, good. Yeah. She's very good at doing that. Oh, so yeah. there's pieces, but it's, it's so frustrating to see. Listen, the roadmap is right over here. Why didn't you follow, which this was successful for them. I will say, though, I feel like Suicide Squad, original Suicide Squad's failures, because I remember seeing that in theaters and that being an experience of, like, being confused, which normally I'm pretty good at knowing what I'm going to feel about a movie going in, and I I don't have enough time to see everything, so I usually have good experiences in the theater, and that was one of the few ones where I was not happy, and my reasons for it, I feel like, are not necessarily the same as the reasons I don't like Man of Steel, Batman Superman... I, I actually it, never watched Justice League, so I can't say. But. It's bad in a different way, and Justice League its own thing. So maybe let's jump over to like one of the positive examples and see, like when they start to wreck the ship again. Let's talk like Shazam or Aquaman. Well, I want to say Shazam and Wonder Woman because Shazam and Wonder Woman both do something that I just mentioned, which is they both feel way more character centric. Like instead yes. of instead of being like big idea, how do we tell it? It's Shazam especially is like the reason you're coming here is to see this actor play this character in a fun, goofy way. If there is a greater idea, you know, about, like, sins or magic or responsibility stuff, it's very secondary to this actor playing this character in that movie. Yeah, and I kind of feel that the ones that were successful switched back to copying the Marvel formula of one character, one movie, and it worked. I mean, Wonder Woman has got issues and yeah but the first one movie still is awesome it's really just in the (sighs) kind of falls apart a bit yeah but i also look at like this is if this is the only one movie we ever get i'm gonna be kind of sad and like okay it's good but i mean i'd like a one movie where we deal with hades just because i'd love to see Uh, yeah it's kind of like how i feel about thor movies it's like well this is good but this still isn't the comic well i think the main reason why these movies work better than like the Snyder directed ones do is because they have a sense of fun about them. Like it isn't just like 
edgelord 14 year old like deep trying to i'm 14 and this is deep like it's trying to be epic is they're trying to be fun you know heartfelt stories which do their own share of like really unique interesting things like shazam goes full-blown horror at certain aspects it is funny how trying to enforce maturity is possibly the fastest way to seem immature which is yeah i you know kind of the the big advantage to being forced to do all your writing through the lens of a tv show meant for kids yeah the fact that justice league got away with using the word lobotomy twice like amazes well, let's me. let's just talk about one of my favorite episodes where the Solomon grundy hawk girl episode from justice league unlimited where they're fighting eldritch whores and discovering Solomon grundy's whole backstory yeah and it's incredibly deep but they use but they tie it to Solomon grundy will be our comedic relief while also being our tragic character yeah I, I, I admit it's been a long time since I've seen that episode. I know what you're talking about, and I know the ending is a gut punch. I just don't remember the specific details of it. Well, basically, they want to find out the secrets of Solomon Grundy. And, you know, they team up with Dr. Fate, and they go and they find this eldritch demon, and Grundy's fighting this eldritch monster because he wants his memories back. And he's yelling, Squid Face, live Grundy back memory! Which, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you knew, uh, Solomon Grundy, voiced by Mark Hamill. Really? Yeah. Not no, I basically pick out Mark Hamill's voice because I know that's not one I got from him. But again, this is Grundy, totally kind of new character that's introduced. But Hawk Girl, which is a very new character. Well, this is Undead Limited. But anyways, sidebar: I'll say after watching all of regular show, I'm never surprised to hear a voice that I didn't know was Mark Hamill is Mark Hamill. Guy has range. <laughs> yeah, he does. But it's just. <sighs> Let's talk about it, and let's, let's well, get to the last one. Can I say real quick, one of my favorite moments of, like, a good example of a dark moment in Just League Unlimited that doesn't feel overt. I talked about the question multiple times. In the Cadmus story, the question finds out about, okay, in this alternate universe, Superman killed Luther and then took over the world. So then he goes to Lex Luthor, and he's telling Lex Luthor, I found out about this, so if I make sure that Superman can't kill you... I can protect the timeline. And as he's saying this, he's pulling off his tie and wrapping it around his hand. So he doesn't say outright, I'm going to kill you so Superman can't, but that's what he's saying, and it's amazing. <laughs> oh, or let's just talk about the one everyone's expecting us to talk about, the Royal Flesh Gang and Ace. Oh, Ooh. that... Yeah. Backwards, uh, backwards continuity is that one. is pretty fun. <laughs> Yeah, I love the Royal Flush Gang, especially in Batman Beyond. But yes, that episode is great. I mean, that's just, again, that's a dark episode. That's how you do Batman. And maybe that's kind of the issue. They don't understand these characters. These characters don't have character traits, which is when we get to Justice League, it's like, and here's Aquaman and Flash and Cyborg and... What are their character traits? Yeah, well, that's why I get. For me, it feels like the the characters are not treated as characters in those movies. They're treated as, for lack of a better term, accounting boxes. Like they're they're action figures. They're there to look cool and want you to buy it and want kids to buy a toy so they can recreate the action scenes. Yeah, and that, for lack of a better term, that disrespect. For these characters that are, especially in the case of Superman and Batman, pillars of culture. I mean, fucking Superman's been around since 1930, what, 2? 1934? Something like that? It... Anyway. And yeah. I think we were talking about how, like, you know, like, the animated series is the DCAU highlights the humanity of Superman, and I think it does so in the what the dcu and a lot of stuff that does batman doesn't do which is highlight the humanity of batman he isn't just this highly pragmatic the most intelligent man on all of earth uh you know big old gruff badass batman has feelings damn it yes yes well i think a lot of that is chalked up to how conroy plays him yeah and Oh man! Plus, if you Batman is capable. Up, he is capable of making a joke every now and then. Just saying. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, 
if you don't know the, like the backstory of like how Conroy plays Batman the way he does, go look up the comic that he wrote for DC Pride. Also, look up it any is. any background interviews with Conroy and Hamill, especially, especially talking about their roles. Like if you, this is common knowledge at this point, but it reached a point where Hamill wouldn't even bother looking at a script if he was told Conroy already accepted it. If Conroy accepted it, then Mark Hamill would accept it. Yeah, and that's why Hamill's retired Joker. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it anymore. Batman is gone. I don't, I don't want to do it, and yeah. I get it. It'd feel weird. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. And also, we even have that in kind of the other direction. Like, don't get me wrong, I like Tara Strong a lot, and Tara Strong's version of Harley Quinn is fun. But that character was invented because of Arlene Sorkin, and they got her to voice the character too. And so that original Harley is so perfect as a character construction. The fact that it's a character made in Batman the Animated Series that then grew beyond it is a wonderful story, I think. Oh, yeah. Now, so I'm trying to see if we have, like, a big unifying thought, but it's just, like, it's a thousand little things. Well, I want to know, because, uh, Dino, I want to know your, like, You've been work. You've been thinking about this. this is your idea? You've been engrossing yourself in this material, these movies, these shows. What, like, what do you really want anyone listening to this to take away? What are your thoughts on this, like, this concept, this comparison? What, what's going through your your mind? I I think what I want to impress on a lot of people, and I think this is something that I hear. Uh, I've been hearing since childhood, which everybody kept saying, like. Marvel has better heroes, DC has better villains, which has always just been like the comparison I've heard. And certainly one part of that is like, no, these heroes are also great across the board. You just need to know how to do them. And a lot of people seemingly don't. Yes. Yeah. But second of all, I mean, if for no other reason than general writing stuff, uh, as it turns out, um, one trying to be as adult quote adult as possible doesn't work out it maybe does in certain aspects like people love berserk and that's for good reasons uh and that whole thing is just the most gore-tastic mess that you'll ever see yeah i have Um, one tattoo and it's a berserk tattoo yeah but i i think the main thing is like for writing it's like Stuff works when you don't when you talk to your audience as opposed to talk down to them. And two, when characters come first before grand theme. And right. these are all traits that the DCAU exemplified and the DCU oftentimes did not. Where is the DCAU available right now? Like HBO Max? Uh, well, that uh, works into my suggestions of the week, actually. So HBO Max uh, has most of them, yes. I don't know if that'll be the case for long, because I know they've already been like shopping out some of the shows to other uh, networks. But uh, just a few days ago, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited are now available to stream on Netflix. So... If anybody has Netflix and doesn't have HBO Max, please go watch both of these shows. All right. Well, a little out of order here, but thank you, Dino, for coming in, chatting with us. And it's at this point we roll out the special soapbox where you can plug anything you want to plug as thanks for talking with us. Uh, I don't really have much of a presence online so i can't exactly plug anything major other than come to the discord because it's very fun lots of fun things happen and if you want to hear more from me uh that's probably where you'll get it all right well then next as you mentioned would be suggestions of the week dino's already gotten his suggestion out and it's relevant to the conversation oryx kind of is too mine is not so i'll get mine out real quick mine is a movie called sisu which is being loosely called John Wick Kills Nazis. Kind of accurate, not really, but if it's playing in a theater near you, which for poor Ulrich here, it has not been, or it has been filled up and packed and he couldn't get tickets. Poor man, because this movie is perfect for him. So everyone says, like, this movie was made for you. I'm like, I know, and I can't see it. Everyone else gets to, but not Ulrich. 
So if you are listening and you have the opportunity to see Sisu and you want to see badass old Dutch man killing Nazis in a Gendy Tartakovsky style of like filmmaking, yeah, go see Sisu. Bastards. All right. Uh, I'm going to suggest a movie that by the time this releases, you will all have seen it. You will all have loved it. I'm going to talk about it anyways. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, believe the hype. This movie is fucking amazing. I would argue best in the trilogy. But again, by the time this is out, you've seen it. You're probably already agreeing with me. Like, yeah, why are you telling me this now? Because I saw it and I want to talk about it and... I love it. So and also, by the time this is out, our other recording where we discuss it in length for about an hour and a half is probably also out. Yeah, the, it's up on the Patreon if you want to get, you know, our full in-depth review. It's going to be there. Hope you enjoyed it. Yep. All right. So one more thank you to Fred the Dino for joining us. As always, we'll do it again at some point in the future. Okay, Ulrich, you can take us Maybe. to an outro then. I thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, disseminate this all the places because as Twitter comes burning down around us, it's getting harder and harder to get podcasts out there organically. So we need you to suggest this specifically to your friends. Send them a link. Send them an invite. Send them a whatever it is the podcast you were listening to calls whatever they call sharing an episode. And the bullet point that I have in front of me says we are everywhere, and that ominous statement actually means that we're on most podcasting platforms. You're obviously listening to this on one of them. Thank you for that. But if you had to go out of your way and there's somewhere else it would be easier for you, tell us about that and we'll look into it. As always, this has been Lord Commander Orc. In his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable. <laughs>